Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. If you're with us online, we want to say welcome to you. I'm Josh, one of the pastors. And uh, before we dive in today and continue our series, I want to give you um, a quick update. Last week, we shared uh, that we are bringing um, out a candidate uh, for our next-gen pastor role in a couple of weeks. And uh, this is an incredibly exciting thing for our church. This, uh, this role is, um, he's going to be overseeing our kids' ministry, community kids, and our student ministry, and just all the ministries to families and parents. And, and so they're going to be here two weeks from today, but I wanted you to be able to see who they are. So they are uh, Noah and Liz Camper. You can see uh, them right here. They have four kids. Uh, they are uh, currently missionaries in Costa Rica. And, um, and so it's an incredibly exciting thing. You see another photo that shows you a little bit more of their personalities. And, um, but I feel like this, in getting to know Noah and Liz, I feel like this really captures who they are. Um, but they're going to be here the first weekend of March. And uh, they'll be here with us on Sunday morning. There's going to be a meet and greet afterwards. Uh, they'll be here for Wednesday night for student ministries. Um, so, and, and that night, parents are invited to that night to be able to interact with them. So we'll be giving out more details in the coming weeks, but I wanted you to see who they are. Be praying for Noah and Liz and just their kids as they process um, moving back to the States. Uh, they've really felt called uh, to New England, which is an incredibly exciting thing. And, um, and, and so I'm excited for you to meet them. I know our search team is excited for you to meet them and just all that God is doing. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're, uh, we're going to dive in. So Father, I thank you just for how you are at work. I thank you for how you are guiding our steps as a church, especially in this search for um, a, a next-gen pastor. I thank you how you have uh, just started to stir within Noah and Liz um, just a, a calling to New England. God, all along we have been praying and, and asking that you would stir in somebody's heart to come and be part of the work that you're doing here and the work in our region. And so, God, I thank you that, that you are answering that prayer. We are expectant about what you are going to do in the future um, through that ministry. Um, and, and God, we just want to be in line with you. We want to be in line with the steps that you have for us. And so I pray that we would continue to hear from you. You'd continue to guide us in your name. Amen. Well, be praying for them. And, and as well, I know many of you have uh, given to the Next Gen Pastor Search. You can still do that just as there are so many details upcoming. Um, you know, as we move forward with moving them, you can put that on your giving um, envelope or, on, you know, you can on the drop-down menu, you can do the Next Gen Pastor Search if you want to do that and drop that in the giving boxes. But today we're continuing our series called The Better Half. We started a new series last week, and uh, this series, a lot of times we talk about relationships, and especially when we talk to other people or vent about our, you know, spouse or kids or parents or in-laws or boss, we, we always talk about the other person. We always talk about, like, if only the other person would do X, Y, or Z, if only my teenager would just listen and not, you know, cop an attitude with me. It's never happened in my house. Um, but, you know, or, you know, we'll say, if, if only my spouse would be more attentive if only my spouse would give me more free time, if only my spouse would just pick up after themselves, if only my boss would appreciate me. And many times the reality is our relationships would improve if the other person did that. But you can't make the other person do that. You can't make them make those changes. And so the only thing that you can do, the only person you can actually change in a relationship is you. But the problem is, it's more fun to try to change the other person. It's more fun, and because if I have to work on me, then I have to maybe admit that maybe I'm a problem in the relationship. 
that maybe I'm bringing an issue to the relationship. And today, I want to look at something that, that we don't often talk a lot about in relationships because many times we don't realize this is even happening in relationships. And the way I want to frame it is, so growing up, one of my dream jobs, you remember when you're like in elementary school or middle school and they say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you remember this moment? Like they say, you know, and you always have the kid who's like, you know, I, I'm you know, three and a half feet tall as a third grader, but I'm going to be in the NBA. Like you always had that kid, you know, there was always somebody who said I'm going to be a doctor or an astronaut. For me, as, a, as an elementary school kid, I always thought, and as a middle school kid, I thought, I want to be a movie critic. I just always thought that would be such a cool job to get paid to watch movies and then rate them and tell people like why it was good or bad. Or, um, but do you know one of the things that sets great movies apart? Do you know one of the things? It's really, really important. And it's actually something that you only notice if it, if it feels off in the movie. And, and it is simply the atmosphere of a scene and the music. I mean, think about any iconic movie, any just incredible movie, and, and the soundtrack to those scenes, to, the, to those, you know, really important moments, right? I mean, can you imagine Rocky without Eye of the Tiger? Like, could you imagine that? You couldn't even imagine that. Right? I mean, can you imagine a different song for Star Wars? Right? I mean, because, so for all of these things in movies, now, you only notice if something feels off. And the same thing happens in relationships. Every single relationship that we're in, whether it's a friendship, marriage, parenting, at work, every single relationship that we're in has a tone that's happening, has a soundtrack that's playing, and has an atmosphere that it's in every single relationship. But the thing is, is that we just walk into each relationship and assume, and here's the problem, we assume everybody's hearing the same tone that we're hearing. Everybody's hearing the same music that we're hearing. Everybody's bringing in the same atmosphere that we're bringing, or we think the other person likes the tone that I'm bringing. The other person likes the atmosphere that I'm bringing. Now, here's where this starts to show up, especially in marriage, okay, is your first holiday together. Do you remember your first, if you're married, do you remember your first holiday? It's a little stressful because you're trying to like figure out, okay, which traditions are we going to do? Whose house are we going to be at? How much money are we going to spend? When do we put up the Christmas tree? And why is it that we have to wait until Black Friday to listen to Christmas music? I mean, like that's, because it's in the Bible. But tone comes into every relationship. Now, when we think about tone, we just think about how we talk to each other, but it's more than that. The tone is how we interact with each other. The tone is the feeling, the atmosphere when you walk into somebody's house. Have you ever walked into somebody's house and you just feel this warmth and you just feel like, oh, they expected me to be here. They wanted me to be here. Versus have you walked into somebody else's house and you thought, did they even know we were coming? Like, did they, did they prepare for this? Like, did they clean up at all? Like, you know, like we have felt there's a different feeling between these two. Now, here's where tone shows up. Here's where it begins. It actually began way before you were born. The tone that you bring into every relationship, the atmosphere you bring into every relationship actually started for you before you were born. It started in your family of origin. And this is why we don't notice it. This is why we don't see it, because it, it's something that we've known all along. But I want you to think for a moment. There's a tone, there was an atmosphere in your family growing up. 
There, there was a way that your family dealt with conflict, dealt with money, dealt with authority, dealt with work that you learned in your family of origin. You learned as a child how to interact with the opposite sex based off of watching how your parents interacted with each other. You learned, as a woman, you learned growing up how it is that I should, I should let people look at me, treat me, speak to me. For men, you grow up and you learn this is how men interact. This is how a man should look at a woman based off of how the people around you did it. Now, the thing is, as we get older, we don't realize this. We don't realize that there was a tone in our family growing up. We don't realize that there was an atmosphere in our family growing up until we get some distance from it or until we interact with some other people and then all of a sudden we go, oh, maybe every family wasn't the same. Maybe there's other ways of seeing things. And as we get a little bit older and other people come into our lives, if you start to have kids of your own, you start to evaluate the tone of the family you grew up in. You start to see maybe some things that you didn't see before. You start to wonder, is that showing up in me? I'm sure you've said this is at, at, at some point in your life and, and then you became a parent. I'm sure you said at some point, I'll never do what my parents did. My marriage will never become like my parents' marriage. And then what happens? You become a parent and then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're the dad just walking around turning off all the lights. And you say the same things your parents said. I mean, if you're a parent, you have for sure said to your kid, because I said so. That's enough. And then you sit there and you go, oh my goodness. <laughs> I became my parents. <laughs> Tone. Here's a, here's a few ways to think about it. What was the emotional atmosphere of the home that you grew up in? Could you talk about emotions? Could you even feel anything in, in that home? Or, or were emotions things that you left at the door? Were your parents emotionally close to you? Were they, were they distanced? What about siblings? Did your parents rely on you for emotional support in any way growing up? See, these things all create tone. These things all create atmosphere that we carry with us. Was anybody in your family ever mistreated um, or, or abused sexually, physically, emotionally, verbally? If any parent in your home growing up, in your family of origin or extended family are alcoholics or addicts, this has an enormous impact on the tone that you carry. Think about this for, is there anything in your family of origin that you were not allowed to talk about? Was there any subject that was off limits? Was there any subject that you were not allowed to disagree on? See, all of these things shape us. All of these things determine things. Uh, here's how they begin to play out. Money is a tone in every family, in every single relationship. Maybe for you and your family, you grew up and money was something that, that you saved, that it was, it was hard to come by. Your family was always scraping by. Your family was always just trying to make sure you had enough to get to the end of the month. And so money is something that is security. And so the tone, the narrative of your life is stressful, it's hectic, it's watching every penny. And very easily then the tone of relationships becomes one of desperation. Maybe if you grew up in the home of an alcoholic, 
The tone in this home is one of walking around silently, trying not to set the other parent off. Slowly, one of the parents will start to make excuses for the alcoholic. Slowly in the family, you begin to hide things for the family. You begin to keep secrets. You begin to make sure and make excuses that no one finds out. This has an enormous impact on how you navigate your relational world as an adult. Maybe for you, you're, you're the child of a, of a divorced home. And so you grew up and you wondered, can I trust anybody? Can I trust that the person on the other side of this relationship will still be on the other side of this relationship? And in this family, the tone is one of broken promises, The tone is one of next time we'll do this. Next week, it's just, you know, we got to, it'll be next time. And so the tone of this relationship is one of not being able to count on each other, broken promises and trust. Do you see, this affects our relational world in enormous ways. Maybe for you, maybe you can relate to this one. This this is one for, for me. The tone of just not being good enough. I remember we would go to uh, company picnics for my parents' job, and they would always do the raffles. You know, you'd have the raffle tickets, and you're trying to, like, get, like, gift cards, you know, to places that you don't really want to go to or, like, you know, get, like, win a TV and things like that. We never won. I don't know that anybody ever won. I don't know. But as a child, like, I was convinced somebody else won. And I remember we would always sit there, and my dad would always say something like this. He's like, well, we just never win. Now, do you know what? I internalized that my entire life. He didn't, he wasn't doing that on purpose, but I walked around going, we don't win. So for many times as an adult, here's, here's my relational world. When I sit at a table with a group of leaders, I often feel like an imposter because that's how I internalized that. Nobody ever said that to me, but I internalized, I don't belong here. Somebody else belongs here because somebody else is going to get the prize. See, what we do is, so we take tone Sometimes tone is something that people did on purpose, and sometimes it's just how they played out their relational world in the family that you grew up in. And as you get older, you carry this tone and atmosphere with you, and it impacts every single relationship that you have. You bring it with you. It comes with you to work. It goes with you into your dating life, into your marriage. It goes into parenting. And here's the deal. Here's what I don't want us to miss today. The tone of your relationships determines the outcome of those relationships. The tone of your relationships determines the outcome of your relationships. But again, until we actually evaluate the tone and ask questions about it, we don't know if it's good or bad. And so in Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul actually gives us kind of a list to evaluate our relationships. He gives us a list of what does it look like to have a healthy relationship, a healthy friendship, healthy community, a healthy marriage if you're a follower of Jesus. And he also lists, here are some things that you're not called to, that make up relationships. And this is what Paul says in chapter three, verse one. He says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so Paul says, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have been changed by the gospel, changed by who Jesus is, what he has done, his life, death, and resurrection, then focus on different things. Meaning that as we think about relationships, your relationship should look different than the person who lives next door to you who says, I don't want anything to do with God. But often, the tone of our relationships looks a lot like everybody else's. I mean, just think about the way you interact with people on social media. Is it different? Does your marriage look different? Is the way that you look at the opposite sex look different? Students, if you're dating, does that look different than other people? Paul says it should look different. Well, he says in, in verse five, he begins to show us what kind of the, the first list. He says, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is in all and in all. And so he says, therefore put to death, put to death what belongs to the old nature. Now, when he says put to death, he, I mean, that is really strong language. That, that he's not just saying, hey, stop, stop doing these things. He's not saying, hey, it would be better if you didn't do these things. No, he is saying, put these things to death. These things that as a follower of Jesus, these things should not be true of your relationship. Why? Because Jesus has changed you. Jesus has bought, bought all of you through his life, death, and resurrection. Jesus has bought you by his blood. He, he's changed you. And yet, so many times, here are some of the tones of our relationship. What does he say? Lust, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, greed. See, often, I think it's interesting he puts greed in there because we don't think of greed in relational terms. But the words that came before, sexual immorality, lust, impurity, evil desire, those are all, when we sin in those ways, those are all sins of greed. Those are all sins of me saying, I want this now. I get to have this now. And we'll talk more in a couple of weeks about like, how do we guard our hearts and guard our bodies? But, but let me ask you this. Is your relational world sexually pure? Like, would you like everybody around you to know your search history or what you're texting or how you talk to the opposite sex at work, the jokes that you tell? Is it honoring? Is it honoring to God, to your body, to their body? Is it honoring? See, so many times that tone, the way that we look at, at our own bodies and, and other people that's, that started a long time ago as a child. You learned that somewhere. And Paul says, this is your old self. 
But for many of us, this just describes how we do relationships. And Paul says, but if you're a follower of Jesus, these things should not be true of you. These things should not be true of you. He says they are idolatry. And then he says, but now put away, look at verse eight, all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. So think about your relationships right now. Think about your most important relationships. Do you fly off the handle easily? Do you have malice for anybody in your life right now? Any, any wrath that you've dished out recently? Anger? I, I, no, here's what we say. Yeah, but like, they, Josh, they totally deserved it. Like they had it coming. Like they weren't listening and I had to slam cupboards and I had to slam doors. And until I did that, like that got their attention. Do you lie to the other people in your relational world easily? Slander? Slander is something that we do so well with people close to us. So well. Making fun of each other. Have you noticed that we're, it's very easy to make fun of your family members? Did you ever notice that? Paul says, put that away. Filthy language. We, also, we often just think of filthy language as like swearing, but filthy language is bigger than that. It's putting people down. It's disrespecting people. Are you respectful to the people around you? Students, are you respectful to your parents? Wives, are you respectful to your husband? Husband, are you respectful to your wife? Or do you speak to her like she's just one of the guys? See, honestly, this list is really, really difficult to read. Because each one of us, there are things on this list that, that are a part of who we are and a part of our relationships. Lust, impurity, greed, malice, evil desire, lying. Do you have secrets? Do you have secrets in your relationships? See, do you see how this starts to play out? See, and, and here's what we do. Here, here's how we, you know, try to handle this many times in relationships. So some, some of you right now are thinking, man, I can't wait till we get in the car. I'm gonna look at my spouse and be like, I hope you're listening today. That was, that was for you. He was talking to you today. Like, I don't know if you realized it, but he was talking to you. Some of you are thinking about the person that you're gonna send this message to. Like, man, I'm just wait for them to hear it. But what about you? Are these things in your heart? Is there somebody in your relational world that it's very easy for you to be anger, angry at or wrathful, malicious, slandering? Is there anybody in your relational world it's really easy for you to lie to? Why is that? What, what is in your heart? What, what have you not dealt with that causes that? There, there, those things come from places. Those things come from places. Like for me, like I know, like at any moment that I start to feel anger boiling up in me, and especially for men, like anger seems to be like the emotion that we feel like is our only emotion we're allowed to have. But like for men, as anger boils up in us, like do you, do you know where my anger comes from? I don't know about yours, but my anger comes from people aren't doing what I want them to do when I want them to do it. Well, what is that? That's selfishness. 
So now I could say, well, I just got to deal with my anger. Well, I do, but I also have to deal with, like, I don't get to have everything I want in the moment that I want it. Like, in a relational world, like, it, it, that's selfish. That's greedy. That's, that's evil desire and evil intent. And, and so we have to deal with that thing that's underneath it, because that's what, that's what Jesus does. He goes, he comes in and says, hey, let's not just talk about your anger. Let's talk about what's underneath it. Let's talk about where it comes from. Let's talk about where that started. And, and again, this is why we started in your family of origin, because this is so important. The tone of your relationships determines the outcome of your relationships. So if the tone of your relationships is one of malice, that determines the outcome of it. If the tone of your relationship is one of anger, if the tone of your relationship is one of sexual impurity and sexual immorality, well, that determines the outcome of it. The tone of your relationships determines the outcome of it. And so Paul says, put away, put to death, make right. Apologize where you need to ask for forgiveness. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that you apologized to somebody in your relational world? When was the last time you apologized? And, and, not, and not this, not the, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not an apology. An apology is, I'm sorry that I flew off the handle and slammed a cupboard. I'm sorry that I made fun of you. I'm sorry that I lied to you. I'm sorry that I had a short temper back there. You didn't deserve that. See, Paul says, put away. And for us to put away, we have to name the thing. For us to put to death, we can't put to death a random nameless thing. To put to death, we have to confess to God, to those who we've hurt, I'm sorry for being sexually impure in my relationship. When was the last time you've said that to somebody? When was the last time you've confessed any of those things to God? See, these things all create a barrier in our relationships and our relationship with God. Because the tone of our relationships, the tone of your relationships determines the outcome of those relationships. So Paul says, look at verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen ones. He doesn't leave us. I mean, those are hard verses. He doesn't leave us there. He doesn't say, hey, just get better at that. He doesn't say, man, like, I really hope you can work harder at your relationships. He says, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Now, let me just stop here. Because when we do all the things that, that Paul listed between verses 5 and 11, do you know what we're looking for? We are looking often for love, okay? The reason that we sin sexually is because we're looking for love. The reason that we get angry or malicious is because we're looking for love. We're looking for acceptance. And we do it in really weird, odd ways in relationships, the things that we do, many of the sins in our relational world come from a desire and a longing to be loved and accepted. And so what does Paul say? You are already loved and accepted in God. You are already loved and accepted in Christ. You have everything you need in Christ. He says you are God's chosen one. What does that mean? It means God went after you. God pursued you. God came and rescued you. You are God's chosen one holy and dearly loved, set apart. You are loved by God. You don't need to lie to feel loved. 
You don't need to make fun of somebody to fit in. You are dearly loved. And because of that, this is why it's so important for us to understand how much love God has for us. God's love is so deep. He says, you are dearly loved. Because of that, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, compassion, being concerned for the other person, friendly, generous, considerate of them. Are you kind? Do you consider their feelings? Are you considerate of them? Humility. Do you put them first? See, the people in your relationship are not there to make all of your dreams come true. Humility, do you put their dreams first? Do you put them first? I saw a video a few weeks ago of this entrepreneur. It has, you know, millions of followers. And and this is what he said. They were asking him about balancing work and home life. And this is what he said. He said, I told my wife when we were dating, if you marry me, you will always come second to my dreams. And the the host of the podcast is just like laughing with him. Like, oh man, like that's like way to be a man. Like way to go after your dreams. And he said, you know, I told my wife, we have kids, they're second. He said, we're not giving up anything for our dreams. And do you know what? There's a whole part of our world that just goes, that makes total sense. Everybody's there for your self-actualization to to help you get to your dreams. No, no, no. God calls us to something different. God calls us to lay aside our dreams for other people. Humility is sacrificing. Humility is giving things up. Humility is saying, you know what? I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. But do you know what? We, we don't save our humility for those people closest to us because we go, well, they understand. They've got to stay with me. You know, I mean, they, they've got to be here. He says humility, gentleness. Again, our closest relationships, we often are our harshest to those closest to us. Gentle. Patient. I remember talking to a mentor and I was venting one time about something going on in in a relationship. And he said something to me I've never forgotten. He said, Josh, the difficult people in your life, God has placed them there to bring about the growth and transformation that he wants. And I looked at him and I said, I don't like that. He says, I know. He said, but... The difficult people in your life, the difficult people to love. And next week, we're going to look at how how do you deal with difficult people? How do you deal with hurt and resentment and all those things that bubble up, that bitterness, that anger? How do you deal with that? We're going to look at that next week. But he said, the difficult people in your life to love are there to bring about the growth and transformation that God wants. See, because these words, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, When you read this list, do you know what immediately runs through my mind? I think if I do these things, I'm not going to get ahead. How am I going to win in my relational world? Like, how am I going to get what I want if I do these things? But this is why Paul started in verse 1. He says, you're different. You've been changed. Christ humbled himself for you, came to rescue you. Why? So that you could be different, so that you could be changed. And then he says in verse 13 and 14, he says, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against you. 
Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, bearing one another, carrying the other person. Our relationships as a follower of Jesus are one sometimes of carrying the other person, bearing their burdens, bearing their hurts, bearing their grief. Why? That's what Jesus does. Jesus carries us. Are you willing to carry the other person in your relationships? And notice, Paul doesn't say how long. He doesn't say how long. He doesn't say there's a limit. He doesn't say when you get tired, when they, when they mess up for the 30,000th time. He says carrying them, forgiving them, just as God has forgiven you. And then I think it's amazing. He says twice, be thankful. Have gratitude. Are you thankful for your relationships? Are you thankful for the other people? Have you thanked God for the people closest to you, for your community, for your friends? When was the last time? I mean, we go to God all the time with relational strife and relational difficulty, which we should, but when was the last time you went to God and said, God, thank you for this person? Thank you for giving me this person. When was the last time you told that person, thanks for being in my life? Thanks for putting up with me. Thanks for carrying me. They did that. You're not easy to live with. I don't know all of you that well, but I know you're not that easy. I'm not that easy to live with. Be thankful, he says. And look at the last verse. And whatever you do, Paul does this a lot in his writings. Whatever you do, like this, he like this catch-all phrase, whatever you do, in word or in deed, so we'd be like, well, what is he talking about? Like, what is there a list? It says, whatever it is, whether you speak it or do it, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Meaning as a follower of Jesus in relationships, people should look at the way you and I live, interact with each other and go, I bet if Jesus was here, that's exactly what he'd do. That's what it means for whatever you do in word or in deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. I bet that's how Jesus would do marriage. I bet that's how Jesus would handle money and conflict. I bet that's how Jesus would hang, handle anger. I bet that's how Jesus would handle compassion. See, the reality is, like I said, it's easy to look at this passage and go, okay, I have, I have so much work to do. And we do. I mean, there's a piece of this that we should leave here today and think, man, I am so far off the mark. But Paul doesn't leave us hopeless. He doesn't leave us in that place. That's why he started in verse one. You've been rescued. You've been changed. So here's how I, I want to encourage us to close. On your Connect card, you'll notice at the very bottom, there's a word on there that says tone. And if you're with us online, you can scan the QR code on the screen. But I want to encourage you. I want, for those of you who say, I want to take this next step, and how do I bring about a godly tone and atmosphere in my relationships? How do I see where they are? How do I see what I'm bringing to this relationship? If you, if you check that box tomorrow, we're gonna send you an email. It's gonna walk through how do you see that and how do you bring a godly tone to relationships? 
But as we close, before we respond by singing a song together, I want to just give us a little bit of space to just respond to God about what we've heard, about what maybe is running through your heart and soul right now. And there's going to be a question up on the screen just to prompt us. And what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? How is God moving through this passage right now? What is God calling you to? What is God calling you to or or convicting you to confess right now? Because I know for me, there are some things this week that as I prepped for this, that I had to confess to God and say, God, these are places I fall short. And the Bible tells us that when we confess, God is faithful and just to forgive us. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to just give us a moment for you to just process on your own. What is God saying to you right now? What is God calling you to right now? And then we'll respond with a song. So Father, I thank you that you show us through your son how relationships are supposed to be done. You show us what those relationships are supposed to look like. And God, no matter how difficult relationships are because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are able to be obedient. We are able to live into the calling that you have for us. And so God, I pray right now that as we just, as we respond to you, as we confess things that need to be confessed or deal with conviction that maybe is welling up in us or even hurt, God, we want to give those things to you. In your name, amen. I just want to invite you to just take a moment and just process on your own. Pray in your seat there about things that are stirring up and then Chris will lead us in our last song.